You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus and I'm back again to take your questions and to offer advice with my years and years of experience. I know I don't sound old enough, but believe me, I am old enough. Here we are on week 39 and I've had a busy week. Uh, Last Sunday I had the massive pleasure of uh, travelling up to Milton Keynes uh, at the Stables Theatre to see uh, Livewire, the ACDC um, experience or the ACDC show and let me tell you something those boys uh, they won I think they won an award um, for the best um, tribute act in the UK and yeah I'd, I'd go with that I'd say they're the best I've ever seen and I've worked with so many and I've been part of quite a few but they were so good um, their lead singer a guy called Podge Blacksmith um, is quite simply the best Brian Johnson I've, I think you'll ever find anywhere. He looks like him. He sounds like him. Um, and their Angus, who I believe is Simon, um, was just off the chart. Brilliant, you know. And the sound they had, it, it was so true to the sound. They used, uh, they had a rack of marshals. They, um, and they basically kicked you in the teeth from the moment they came out to the moment they finished. And um, absolutely amazing show. And uh, they had everything, cannons at the end and everything. And um, brilliant set list. Um, Great crowd as well they had there at the stables. And um, great theatre to play. I I haven't had the pleasure of playing it yet, but I've been there a few times and um, noticed they were on. I fancied that. So if you ever get a chance to see them, I believe they're at Sausage and Cider Festival on the 28th, which is in Billericay, Barley Lands there. I think they're on in the afternoon. Um, if you get a chance to see them, but they are well worth seeing if you like a bit of rock, and they are proper. Um, so I'll give them all the credit in the world for that. Um, I did. I was hoping that I might get an interview with them, um, but at the moment they're so busy that um, we can't make any dates fit, and it may may or may not happen. But um, even if I don't, I'll certainly be going to see them again, and I suggest that you do too. Your questions have been coming in thick and fast this week, and I've been having a look at my insights, and I've been getting a, f- a fair few uh, listeners, my percentages have gone up, um, well, ridiculously, looking at um, my uh, stats. I've gone up 317% over the last uh, few weeks in terms of what I've been, people who have been listening in. And they're listening in from everywhere, which, um, whether they're listening for the whole show, whether they're just listening for the intro and then they like it or don't like it, they click on it. And I've gotten a few more subscribers and some more um, people uh, following my channel. The Grassroots Music UK uh, YouTube channel is um, sort of up and running now. There's a few things on there, but I'm really hoping to update that. These episodes will be on there just um, if you're out and about. You can't always get uh, anywhere or sometimes people like YouTube because it's nice and simple. But I'm hoping to do some features on that as well. Some of the things I've talked about on here, some of the questions I've answered. Um, I think what I might do is do some videos, uh, some tuition videos that um, you can then sort of download just to help you you know as I've said before you can take it or leave it so here's my disclaimer Um, all of the answers I give are based on the questions you send in and my knowledge of um, the equipment I've used and the knowledge I've gained over the last 30 years in this crazy business at grassroots level there are a million ways to find what you want and I suggest you explore them all you don't have to take my word for it um, but I hope that you do. Let's get straight on with it. And we'll start with Malcolm. And Malcolm says, Hi, Marcus. We've us all sat on our backsides for the last 18 months. I wondered, with hindsight, when you're trying to get back into the shows again, 
Would it have been better to sing regularly or take a few months off and then rebuild? Rest the voice completely. Hello, Malcolm. Um, well, my my way of, of coping with it was I think I was singing quite a lot anyway because I was I was teaching online. And because I was teaching online, trying to play a piece of music and then share it, you had the delay and stuff like that. So I found a lot of the time that I would sing the song and, um, you know, I'd be singing sort of all the time. Um, when I was teaching and also I made um, three albums over that time as well which although it wasn't singing sort of every Friday Saturday Sunday or um, I I sort of kept busy but I I think there's an argument really for um, singing regularly rather than not um, singing at all and then trying to pick yourself back up I think you'd leave yourself further to go I think it's a bit like um, I mean I don't know Paula personally but I would you know, if Paula Radcliffe is still running marathons these days, then credit to her. But if she isn't running marathons, I would I would guess that she probably still is running a fair bit rather than just saying, well, I've run my last marathon now. I'm going to sit on the sofa. Um, so I think um, it's better. And I think uh, sport and, and uh, anything that uses muscle memory or anything that uses um, the body, really, uh, parts of the body, um, which is pretty much everything, but you know what I mean, um, it's better to do a little bit regularly than it is to to not do anything for a while and then jump back into it, because I think um, your body's taken by surprise a little bit. It's a it's a bit like if you've been to the gym and believe I think I went once, um, and it's it's a bit like when you go to the gym or when you've been exercising all day and um, you should cool down. You shouldn't just finish your last bit on the exercise bike and sit straight on the sofa because the blood. Uh, pools, P-O-O-L-S, in the muscles. And of course, that's where the aches and pains come in. And the voice is a bit like that. If you suddenly thrash it and it's been sat and hasn't really done an awful lot for a while, you'll probably blow it out. So I've enjoyed, over the last few weeks, performing regularly. And I've got five shows this week, um, which I'm not allowed to say that because, you know, it's... I'm plugging myself. I'm just saying I've got five shows this week. There, I've got uh, a couple of day centres, a care home show, and then I've got um, two on Saturday. I've got an afternoon um, show and then an evening show. So I'm looking forward to testing myself this week. But the voice sounds pretty good. Um, I wonder if it would have sounded as good if I hadn't have sung anything for like maybe a couple of months um, and then coming back into it. But I think um, I think it's really one of those things that. If you ever do get two or three weeks off from singing, it's nice to just sing with the acoustic now and again or just work it. It's, it's a bit like, you know, a, a darts player or something. You do the hard work and you get yourself to that level. And then staying at that level is about doing it regularly rather than spending three or four months off and then keep trying to pick yourself back up again. I think this is a thing with um, with uh, boxers and prize fighters as well from what I've read and from what I've seen is um, particularly um, Ricky Hatton, when I read Ricky's book, and I've seen interviews with him and stuff like that, was that he would finish his fight, you know, and, and invariably win. And then he'd sort of just, you know, come away from the gym and have a month where he did what he wanted. And then, you know, the next fight would come in and he'd get back in. And, and people had a theory that he was taking too much out of his body by giving himself that extra um, maybe stone or a couple of stone to lose before each fight. Now, I, I'm not going to argue either way because Ricky had nothing to prove at, at um, you know, any level. He was a, the ultimate fighting machine, the, one of the most ultimate fighting machines that we've ever produced. 
Um, and uh, I, I've met him once or twice and uh, monster to, you know, in the ring, but one of the nicest guys you could ever wish to meet outside signing autographs at the darts and stuff like that. But the point was that um, I think if you compared his way of doing it, and he got results as well, to maybe someone like Holyfield, Evander Holyfield, who constantly would stay in, and, and Bruno as well, Frank Bruno, would constantly be in shape and, and get in the gym between fights rather than finish the fight and then go and sit and not do anything for a while. I think you have to have your rest time and singing and um, anything physical. And singing is physical, although people would, would look at it and think, oh, yeah, stand up there and sing a few songs. I play it down. But I can tell you, having not sung for a while, playing these five shows this week, it's not necessarily the voice, but my shoulder and from the standing, my back hurts because I've not been doing it to this level or to this um, schedule. So it's very uh, it's very full on. And I, I would say, Malcolm, that any sportsman will tell you, um, and probably anybody that does any job will tell you, um, try and keep your hand in, even if it's just playing, a, you know, rehearsing or singing through in your living room or whatever, just so you're still working the cogs. Because otherwise, if you... And, and, I'll, and I'll speak from experience here, and I know this sounds really silly because I've been in the game for years... But when I got back into it, I played a, only played about three shows last year. And I found that I'd almost forgotten how to sing. I knew how to sing in tune. I knew how to, but I found I'd forgotten how to project. Um, and I'm thinking, wow, because I'd, I hadn't really run the game. And it took me maybe the first couple of shows to, to build up. And by the third show, I was back into, although my breathing wasn't so good because I'd been sat on my backside eating Lincoln biscuits imported from Ireland where you can still get them. Um, I hadn't been running it regularly. But by show three, I felt great. And then we got locked down again. So I had another four or five months of not singing. So I decided to get back in the studio and, and carry on writing and recording and, and focusing on that. And I've been teaching. But um, I think constantly, just a little bit now and again, um, you know, I think you get in a good routine when you first start in this industry because you're gigging every Friday and Saturday and you're rehearsing on Tuesday nights. And that pretty much takes care of everything. You know, you, you finish on Saturday night. Thanks very much. Good night. Two days rest. Sing on Tuesday night. Three, uh, two days rest. Perform Friday, Saturday. And then, you know, once again, um, Sunday or Monday off, rehearse on the Tuesday, um, Wednesday, Thursday off play on the Friday and Saturday again so it's um it would work itself out um that you're you're sort of doing a little bit in between the shows and that's how you strengthen it all and um yeah I think that's in my opinion it would be the better way to do it but everybody finds their own way and everyone's got different tubes so let's uh we'll see what happens with that but, but thanks for your question Malcolm we have Gina Gina is from Gillingham Gina from Gillingham hi Marcus without Without wishing to bring the mood of your excellent show down, I just wondered in your experience, can the excesses of fame, brackets, drink, drugs, etc., affect grassroots musicians in the same way? Um, I think it can affect anybody in any walk of life, in any profession, anywhere, Gina. And I think, in, in all honesty and in my experience, I've met a few people who, who were affected by it, but I think... I don't think it's, um, I think it's more of a, I don't know, I don't want to get too deeply into this because I'm, I'm out of my depth with it, but I can only tell you in my experience that at, at grassroots level, it's more about the individual than it is about the lifestyle. You see, 
uh, when you read about this, the, the the schedules and the and the touring schedule and the hectic. I mean, maybe you're playing. These bands are playing maybe Wembley Stadium, so they're buzzing and they're probably an after show party till five or six o'clock in the morning, and then they maybe get an hour's sleep and they're whisked in a cab somewhere to do morning TV and plug the upcoming show, and they might get an hour's sleep in the afternoon before sound check, and then you know a bit of a rest before the show, but they're sort of pumped up because they can hear the crowd coming in. And I think in the end you get into a habit of you need something to help you sleep, you need something to keep you awake. You need something to get the job done. And when I've read various books of people like Keith Moon and various people like that, you find that quite often being on stage, they like who they are on stage and, and they want that buzz off stage. But again, I may be showing my ignorance. I can only I can only give you my opinion and um, on that. The people that I've known that have had problems, let's say, or issues, and it usually started with having a few drinks sometimes it was a it was a confidence thing like somebody would want to have a couple of drinks before the show because it eased them up a bit and it happens a lot in sport and darts being the sort of prime example of that someone might say i'll have a couple of looseners before i go on go up and play and um so music would often be sometimes i've met a few people who have a couple of pints because i'm better i've had a couple of pints and um but but now and again you know they'd hit the top shelf and then all of a sudden that you'd go from you know, being able to play to sort of not being able to play as well because you'd suddenly decided you wanted a, a Jack Daniels and Coke and something else. So I have been around people with um, drink problems. I haven't seen an awful lot of uh, heavy stuff. Um, and you know what I mean by the heavy stuff. I don't need to mention it, but I haven't seen an awful lot of that. When I have seen it, it's usually been an individual choice. I don't think it's necessarily been the lifestyle that's um, quote unquote pushed them into it. Um, I think it's really just been a personal choice, or they wanted to make they wanted to be on a high before they even played. Um, that's not to say it hasn't happened, but I don't think it's necessarily as rife at our level. Purely and simply, I think as well, because you don't earn that sort of money, and if you've got you know a, a, a drug habit of maybe six hundred pound a week. And you're earning four hundred pound from from music a week, you know you, you're not going to get, you're not going to, you know, fulfil everything you need to do. So I think uh, because the money isn't there, and because you don't move in those circles, and there's no reason to keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself because you don't have the same crazy schedule. Um, I, I think it's more of a personal choice. But I have seen people who have been affected by it. Sadly, I've buried more than one person. Uh, or I haven't buried them, I've helped to to bury them. That sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Um, who unfortunately lost all control. But I think I think they'd lost control anyway. It just so happened that on a Friday and Saturday they'd play a few songs. Um, and in fairness to one or two of them, and I won't name any names, um, when it came to playing the shows on the Friday and Saturday, when they went on stage, they weren't too bad. They would do the job. It was usually afterwards or usually on their rest days that they would um, do something. But um, happily, it's not as big a problem at our level as it, as it probably is at uh, international level. It's, and it's probably not as big a problem as it is in, you know, in the stock market and things like that, where these, these, these you know, everybody knows. I'm not, I'm not, again, naming names, but I'm telling you, um, because of that sort of lifestyle, when you've got a buzz, you've got to be up early, you've got pressure, you've got targets, you've got stress all the time. I think it becomes something that uh, you depend on to to um, clear your head, which which 
to me seems so ridiculous because I've never done it, but maybe to somebody who does it understands it more. But I would suggest that you don't do it and that you have a nice cup of tea and then go on on a Friday and Saturday and go to work and entertain everybody and, and keep it in moderation. But um, look, that's the public health bit. Other than that, you know, everybody's got the freedom to do whatever they want. But I think at our level, I think you lose control away from the stage. I don't think it's the, the schedule or the touring um, the tour dates that put the pressure on you and keep you going. Of course, you know, you might have to have, you know, um, two or three more uh, Lemsip before you play a show, maybe on a Saturday night. Or And I don't say that lightly because, you know, I'm not taking the mickey out of it. But at our level, it's really about getting through the Saturday night um, and entertaining people. So I've always said before, if you're going to get up there on a Saturday night, be ready and be sober and do your job. Um, because you wouldn't, if you were entertaining, um, you were a children's entertainer, a clown, and you turned up smelling a drink to celebrate Johnny's eighth birthday, you're going to get kicked out. If you work in a bank and you're talking to somebody about taking a loan out on their house or sorting a mortgage out, and you smell a Jack Daniels, then you shouldn't be there, all right, because you're at work. On a Saturday night, you're at work, but um, I haven't seen too many signs of it, and I hope that I never do, Gina. Thank you very much for your question, my love. Ever wanted to play guitar? 10 minute tutorials. Now on YouTube, beginner's guitar. Marcus takes you through the early stages, tuning, basic chords, and strum patterns to start you on your journey. Further information, go to www.innovationstudios.com. Uh, Janice from Yorkshire. Hi, Marcus. What are the first things I should learn on guitar? Um, hi, Janice. How to tune it? And um, and what I, I try to do is to say, once it's tuned in, then learn um, an E minor, um, an E, an A minor, and maybe an A or a C, just something where you're moving one, one finger. And then learn a strum pattern, which I would suggest is a down, down, up, up, down, up. So that straight away on week one, you're moving a few chords around and uh, you're strumming um, a strum pattern as well. Um, there, there are, I mean, without wishing to plug too much, on the Grassroots channel, there is an introduction to beginner's guitar and you can find it. And I might put a link on, um, you can find the links from the website anyway but uh, if, if not just email me again and I'll send you the link as a matter of fact I'll, I'll just reply to you with the link you don't need to email me again don't take up your valuable time um, and I say yeah E minor E because that's just adding a finger on and then moving the shape down from E to A minor is a whole shape moving as one and then moving up to C is moving that third finger sliding it from behind the second up in front for uh, upper fret so you've learned four chords and a strum pattern and you can start straight away and it sounds like a guitar. You know, it sounds like a guitar being played. I think that's half the battle. I've met so many people over the years that could play maybe 50 chords and couldn't strum a pattern. So all of a sudden the frustration is there. And um, for, for some reason, it's, it's one of the things I've never really understood. Um, but it's kind of the, the, the norm is that everybody when they learn guitar learns all the chords first. And then at the end of it, learns how to strum something. But you've got all of these chords and you can't play a song. 
Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I've never been to bricklaying course. All right. I, I don't think I've ever been to bricklaying course. Not that I remember. I might, maybe when I was, maybe when I was an apprentice and I was trying to do, I, I would have mixed with some bricklayers, but I don't remember ever, ever going on a bricklaying course. But let's say I had, I wouldn't expect on the first day to walk in and to build a house, right? But I also wouldn't expect to walk in and still be there after six months just looking at different bricks and maybe putting one or two of them together now and again. I would expect that maybe after two or three months I might have just built a fireplace or might have learned how to join them all together. Well, cords are like that. Cords are like bricks. And if you, it's like having a permanent pile of bricks in your garden and telling people it's your outhouse or telling people that's your summer house. And people are going to go, but it's just a pile of bricks. You go, yeah, I know. But when I learn how to join them together, I'm going to have a nice uh, summer house. Go, really? You know, why don't you learn how to join them together earlier? Even if it's just two bricks or three bricks, put put two down and put one on top in the middle there. Learn how to join them together. So it's a bit like that. You've got sort of 50 or 60 chords and you're going, I really want to play all of these songs, but I can't play any songs. I've never understood that, but it's something that I've come across. I've, I've taught guitar for 20 four years 24 years and unbelievable the amount of people that I've met that can play all the chords bar chords as well and, and can't play a song because they've never worked on the strum pattern and I say get the strum pattern in early get it in there early and learn one early because then straight away it sounds like you're playing something and let it build look at um looking at both sides right and left hand because otherwise you'll back yourself into a corner and, you, and it'll be more frustrating because you'll think, if I could only get the strum pattern, I'll be able to play anything. Well, you should have been gradually playing little things as you learned. That's my method. Somebody else might say, you need to learn every single note before you play anything. Well, that's up to them, isn't it? But I know that I see people's faces when they go out of here, maybe after the second or third lesson. And they can play along with something because they've got a strum pattern and a few chords. And it builds confidence and makes people feel better about what they're doing. Once you get that, then you know you start to think oh, I can do this but while you're still learning it always feels like you, you carry on learning stuff and and guitar you learn but I think you you, you kind of learn it creeps up on you a bit I think guitar is a little bit um I don't know why I think of this but um a little bit like Cobra Kai or Mr Miyagi for those of you who are old enough you sort of do other little things here and there and then you suddenly put it together and you go wow that now it makes sense it's not quite wax on wax off all right, but it is very, um, let's do a little bit, do a little bit, do a little bit, and then maybe week two, you suddenly say, well, let's play along with this, and they go, well, hang on a minute, I only know four or five chords and a strum pattern, you go, well, that's all you need for, to play along with this one, so you do it, play along with it, and you think, okay, and then it continually cross-references over, so you listen to it, and you think, okay, well, th there's an E minor on this, we played that on the last song, it goes to C, we played that on the last song, so it crosses over, and it's, um, I think, as a, as a tutor, and I, I don't, I've never claimed to be the best, um, but I'm certainly not the worst. But I think as a tutor, you need to tap into what the individual wants. And particularly the younger pupil, you know, the kids, they, they want straight away. They want to jump around like busted, or at least they did these days. Um, busted are old enough to be their mums and mums and dads, but, but um, or their dads. But uh, these days, you know, the kids want to play something. So I always feel if you get them playing a bit of a strum pattern, then, then you can find something that they might want to play along with. Simplify the chords, use a capo, use your knowledge to simplify stuff, and then straight away you'll get better results. You bring an eight-year-old kid in and get him to play three blind mice, you're all right for about half an hour. 
But by week two, he's going to want to play something else. And it's better to, uh, to, you know, to try and get him to play stuff that he can enjoy, that he knows, and that people around him can say, oh, I know that one. So I think uh, the first things you need to learn are a few chords and a strum pattern. And there may be another four or five chords and another strum pattern. So I look at it and I say, okay, learn four, five chords and a strum pattern. And then five chords and a strum pattern. So let's say you start with E minor, E, A minor, and C, and you learn a down, down, up, up, down, up. So from there, you start looking at that, and then you might look at it and say, I'm going to learn A, and I'm going to learn D, and I'm going to play E as well, because I know it from last time. And I'm going to bring a three, four in, down, down, up, down. And it maybe play Mulder Kintyre or something, okay? So you've got a couple of options there of, of different um, styles you can play. You've got a three, four, you've got a four, four. Um, and the chords are not too bad because somewhere along the line, you're going to move those chords around. No matter how fast you do them when you're strumming them once or when you're not strumming them, but it does matter how fast you do them when you're playing along with a song because that song's not going to wait for you. Certainly not Mola Kintyre. It's 50 years old. They're not going to wait for you now, you know? So not, they probably wouldn't have waited for you in 1971. So that's the key to it. Learn a few basic chords and learn the strum pattern and keep along that um way of doing it so every time you bring in a new couple of chords you look at a strum pattern or you look at a new song or a couple of new songs um it's really not that difficult in theory um it just takes a bit of time to get started but uh, thank you for your question helen and billericke have you ever been tempted to dance on stage while you play <laughs> you'd love to see that wouldn't you um helen's a friend of mine um no I think I naturally end up doing silly things on stage. And, and the Broadway-themed tour that I played uh, three years ago now, I had to learn a few steps for. And I am big, and I am clumsy, and I have two left feet. And I am so bad, um, I was awful. So I had two left feet. I turn up in my flip-flips, and uh, I, I just can't dance. And um, I, although I have rhythm... And although I, I feel I can move and I think I look I can look quite cool with a guitar, if I didn't have a guitar and if I was trying to dance, oh my God, you know. So although I've been tempted, I've always decided that it was probably best for me and certainly for everybody that was in there watching if I didn't. So um, although I've been tempted, I, I never have danced, Helen, but thank you for your question. Uh, Moira. Hello, Marcus. Um being filmed whilst performing without asking your permission first can be annoying, I would imagine. And then seeing it on social media later, I just wondered how you deal with it and how you feel about it. Moira, this is um, a really, really good question for me. The reason is I, had a, I have a similar question um, that uh, came in a couple of weeks ago and I've been looking for a, for a reason to... Um, to use my answer. And then Moira's come in with this one. Um, the, the one from a couple of weeks ago was uh, from Max, and he'd said, what is your pet hate? Well, my, my pet hate is not actually being filmed, all right? I, I don't worry about something like that because I feel that's the way the world turns now. What I absolutely cannot stand, what I'll never understand and what I don't get is when people are being paid to play a venue and to entertain the people in that venue and they film themselves and sing to the camera all night to entertain the people at home. 
and leave the people in the venue just sitting and watching them sing to their phone. Mate, I cannot stand that. And not only can I not stand it, but I don't understand it. See, it's a bit like Coldplay walking out and going, Melbourne, how are you? And how's everyone in DVD land six months from now? No, they wouldn't do that. You entertain Melbourne. You entertain the dog and duck. You entertain the Bromley Social Services Club or whatever you want to call it. They're the people who are paying you on that night. If somebody thinks that you're good enough, see, that's the key to it, right? The key to it is be good enough that other people film you. Don't put your big fizzog on Facebook, zoomed in, playing to the camera, doing your hair, ladies, and entertaining me at home whilst the people who are there and the person who's paying you for that night is watching you perform to the people who are not even there and singing at home. If you're going to do that, then either get somebody to film it so that people get the live experience. Because the live experience, if I paid to see Adele, I wouldn't be stood next to her gazing into her face while she does her air. I'd be sat in the audience. So if you want to put your performances online, right, then why don't you get someone in the audience to film it? Or why don't you put your camera down at the side of the stage so that people can enjoy the, the, the live gig experience? You ain't entertaining the people at home. You're entertaining the people in that room. And I absolutely cannot stand it. The reason I cannot stand it is because, I'll say it, I'm good enough to have been filmed. People have watched my gig, Oasis, the boys, or some of my solo stuff at the Fleece, or some of my live performances, they were streamed, because people thought, blimey, this bloke's good. I'll put this, I'll go live on Facebook and sort of go, look, really enjoying a great singer here tonight, or whatever. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of people who didn't film me, and they might have thought I was pants. But I'm just saying, be good enough that the people in the venue want to film you, or film it in a way that that people at home get the live gig experience like they sat in the audience. Don't let the people in the audience watch you singing to your phone. I'll tell you what as well. I never want to have my phone on stage because I think it's unprofessional. I don't like to look unprofessional. I like to look like I bloody belong up there and I like to look like I'm supposed to be there. And if I'm supposed to be there, then I'm supposed to be in that room, on that stage, entertaining the people in there, paying me money to do so, and making sure that those those 50 or 100 people or 200 people in that venue go home happy. I don't care whether or not Dave in Lewisham, who's on your friends list, puts lovely voice, really enjoyed your show. I couldn't care less. I want the 50 or 60 or 100 people in that venue to go home happy, because you know what? They're going to book me again. Dave ain't going to give you 100 quid to come around and entertain in his kitchen while he stares into your face from an inch away. So I absolutely cannot stand it. Entertain the people in the room, get someone else to film it, and give people a live gig experience. If I've ever done that, and I haven't, all right, not for years, um, years ago when we used to be uh, Color Kinesis, Air Radio used to stream a couple of our shows. Now, strumming your guitar and tuning it in, and then knowing that in about half an hour's time, you're going to be live, streamed, being streamed pretty much all over the world, all right? Now, when I say all over the world, I don't mean everybody. I just mean everybody that tuned into air radio and people that used to... We had a number one single on on, um, on the streaming chart at that time, and we had thousands of people that voted for it. And we played a show uh, in Southend, and um, it was streamed, and it went live. And we had some nice comments from Australia, from Canada. Um, but now, when I say that, I don't mean the papers or the, or the journalists. I mean the people sitting at home who'd... who'd 
been part of that radio station and listened to original music and liked original music and supported original music, so they were watching the show live. And it was a great feeling. It was the best feeling in the world. But we never played up to the camera, even though people were watching it. We wanted people to wish that they were there. We didn't want people to come in and say, oh, you know, it was almost as if he was singing to me or it was almost as if they were playing to me. I want people to watch my show and wish that they were in the audience watching it. Otherwise, they'll sit there and go, it'll be live in about 20 minutes. I don't get it. I can't stand it. And yeah, you can hear I'm worked up about it. And the reason I'm worked up about it is because I care about this business. I've worked damn hard in this business. And I've done so much of, of, of stuff over the years to protect it. And to keep it live. And to keep it fun. And to keep entertaining. I've worked so hard you know, venue after venue, week after week, you turn up at a venue, you think, oh, I want to do a good job here. I want to do a good job here because I want them to want me back. That's how you survive at grassroots level. You play a venue and you, and you do it so well that they say, we really want you back, okay? Or you get an agent who books you everywhere only once. But you, you go and play a venue, you do the best you can, and you have fun. If somebody wants to film you while you're doing it, it's a compliment, all right? Unless they think you look like someone and they want to show their mates later on, whatever, okay? Because that happens. Believe me, that happens. But most of the time, if somebody wants to film you, like, like my shows at the Golden Fleece, like my shows that were that were through um, the um, Thames Delta website, filmed me a few times and put it live, it's because they're thinking we're having a good night. And they always say the same thing, having a great night with the band wish you were here that's it I want people to wish they were in the audience so if they wish they were in the audience I want them to look like they're in the audience I don't want them on the stage with me I don't want them an inch away and I don't want anybody doing their air to the camera you know Wembley it's nice to be here and everybody in DVD land a year from now when it comes out in the Christmas market shut up you know shut up Play to Wembley. Play to your audience play to the people who are paying you on that night music's about being in that moment Live music is about being in that moment. If the people have made the effort with their feet to come and see you and to make it to that venue to be entertained, why should you entertain the people at home who didn't make the effort? Why should you entertain the people at your friends list who didn't make the effort to come and see you? If you were that good, they'd come and see you. So entertain the people in the audience, all right? Rent over. Need help setting up your own home studio? Why not book a consultation online? Here at Innovation Studios, we can help and advise on the best equipment for you, your ideas, your budget, and your space. Maybe even book a home visit. We can help you set up, install, and use your software, offering a recording workshop in your very own studio in your very own home, going through techniques and offering advice and guidance to get you up and running. Go to www.innovationstudios.com further information uh, Warren Warren in Havering hi Marcus is there such a thing as too many band members hello Warren yeah of course there is um, but usually financially there's there's such a thing as too many band members I mean if you if you uh, do the maths Warren all right uh, or as I say in America do the math um, then maybe if you're in a jam tribute, there's three of you, and if you're an Oasis tribute, there's five of you. So if you get a grand, I'd rather be in the jam because you get £333.33 each. In, in Oasis, you get 200 quid. Um, but 
you can't be Oasis with a three-piece because people are going to say, well, hang on a minute, <laughs> what's that about? So you have to kind of be true to the tribute uh, to an extent. Um, I think you can have too many band members in as much as um, it depends what everybody's doing. But if you go and see a big band, you go and see a, a band like the Rolling Stones or you go and see a band these days like the Who. It used to be the four of them or the five of them on stage. There's 25 of them now. And um, they're all contributing something. So I think financially you can have too many band members. And I think space-wise, if you've got a seven or an eight or a nine-piece band and you're trying to play, you know, the, the Rose and Crown on a Friday night, that's one thing. If you're playing in a bandstand in Priory Park, South End, hey, you've got all the space you want. So I think nine-piece bands in pubs and things like that. But look, people find a way. It's, it's, I just don't think the money goes very far if you're looking to make a living out of it. And... Um, I think somewhere along the line, if you go to somebody and say, we're going to have a soul band um, and there's, you know, there's 11 of them and they'll say, well, how much do they want? Well, they've got to want realistically about 1500 quid and they'll look at it and go, well, why don't we get somebody who plays backing tracks with all the soul sounds on it for 200 quid? So I don't know whether they're that busy um, or whether or not, um, you know, they're, they're happy to do it for, for pennies. I, I honestly don't know. But the only thing I can say about it is... Um, I think it depends on the, the tribute you're doing. It depends on the music you're playing. Um, you know, I mean, if you've sometimes it's nice if you've uh, if you're a, a band and maybe you've got a new member or he's got a brother who plays a bit, and you might, you might say, "Well, bring him in. He can just play acoustic." You know, and he'll just contribute to the music, and, and the music doesn't suffer, and the acoustic court sort of drives it along. And so, you know, sometimes that can happen, but a lot of the time. Um, I think it depends on on what your songs are like and the output that you're trying. Because it can go the other way. You can have not enough band members. You know, you can have you can go and watch a show. And, and, and let me just tell you, I've seen Brian Adams three times. And twice, he's been absolutely amazing. And on the third occasion, which was the first time I saw him, he was on bass and he had one... He had Keith on guitar and a drummer. Now, for me, I'm sitting there thinking, this is just there's one guitar and he's on bass and the drums. And for me, I'm thinking that's not what his music's about. His music's about huge, great sounds that kick you in the teeth. So I remember thinking it just sounded a bit weak. It didn't have any, any balls to it. Um, and I suppose to a certain extent, if you went to see an Oasis tribute and they only have one guitar player and every time they went into a solo, everything died. Um, you know, I mean, in, in my case, when, when that happened, I had to use the looper and I filled in as, as best I could. Um, but I mean, if you literally just set up as you were, if you went to see ACDC or something, ACDC tribute, and they said, well, we're, you know, we're a, a four piece and we don't, we don't have a rhythm guitarist. You'd think, well, hang on a minute. What's that about? Um, you probably would enjoy the show, but I think anybody with an ear would say, oh, didn't it drop though? When he, every time he played something, it really dropped. And so you can have not enough band members and depending on the sort of music that you play, you can have too many, but, um, thank you for taking the time to. Um, ask me that, Warren. I appreciate it. Uh, Leslie, can lighting be a problem? Do you ever provide your own lighting? Yeah, lighting can be a problem. Sometimes you play somewhere, um, usually a pub gig or something, and they'll uh, put you up there, and then they turn all the lights off to get some atmosphere, and then there you are. There I am in a wig and dark glasses trying to work out what the hell I'm playing because there's no lights. So we, we usually take 
um just a it's like a little rack of um, spotlights that we take with us just to light us up a little bit and create a little bit of atmosphere um doesn't need to cost the earth you know you're not pink floyd you're not looking to light everybody up up and have people with ultraviolet lights you're just looking to do a good job and for people to be able to see you when you're performing so over the years yeah there's usually a couple of little racks of lights that we that we take that are very portable um you know that just sit at the side of the stage and light you up um i think try and get into the habit of i mean if you're a solo performer there are various places where you can just get a little um disco disco ball or disco light or something it sound it doesn't sound like much but if you can if you sort of combine that with uh, maybe a spotlight or just one of these spotlights that plugs in point it at yourself and then have a bit of color you'd be amazed at, at the difference that something like that can make you know, it always amazes me. You see these bands playing in places and they've got so many different lights and you're thinking the lights is what these people are about. And then you go and see another band and they're hard. You can hardly see them. They're all silhouettes. And you think, well, just get the mix right. Look, it's really not a hardship to have a couple of sort of clip on 100 watt bulbs that would sit on the speaker stands and shine across the stage and maybe... Um, a disco ball that would sit at the back. At the end of the night, you wrap them up, you roll them up, and you stick them back in a bag again. And then you turn up at the next one. Have you got any light? You go, yeah, okay. So we'll light on the left speaker stand, light across that side, right speaker stand, light across that side. Maybe you could even get the coloured bulbs in it um, just to give it a little bit of atmosphere. Maybe a, maybe like a, a disco ball, but you can get like little flashing disco lights that just sit on the floor and just light up the back uh, the background. Um, I know it sounds cheap, but believe me, it, it does make a difference. It's always worth investing in something like that. So lighting can be a problem if there isn't any light. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think sometimes it's good to just have a couple of portable things that can get you out of trouble. Let's take one more. Alex says, can voice training be bad for asthmat asthmatics? Um, I've got to say that... I, I, I'm on the fence with this, Alex. I think um, because I, I would imagine that there are varying degrees and varying levels of asthma. And um, my own personal experience is I used to get really chronic hay fever that used to cause like uh, asthma almost. And I would be wheezing like some 85, 90-year-old man. Not that all men of 90-year-old wheeze. But you know what I mean. Um, and I found it very hard to get enough breath in me to sing what I wanted to sing. Um, so I think, as I, I would say that as long as you're looked after, and as long as you're not pushed into um, pushing too much, then I would, I would imagine that you probably can, or I know you can, extend your lung capacity and work on your lung capacity. Most asthmatics usually have a certain amount of control in as much as they'll have um, the, the the blue spray, the, the, the um, I can't think what it's called, but you've got the blue spray and the, there's a preventer, I think, which is a brown one. I was on both of those and I didn't really have asthma. I just had um, chronic hay fever, which, uh, touch wood, I don't have now and I feel I'm singing better than ever. So there's something in that. Um, I think as long as you're careful, um, I don't think it can do you any harm um, as long as you're controlled and as long as you're not coming straight in and trying to sing 
very, very long notes. I think it, it could extend your breathing. It will help your breathing. Um, but medically, I don't know. I mean, you know, musically, I, I would say it would help you. But medically, there may be reasons and pretty good reasons why maybe you shouldn't do that. But I'd have a guess that over the years, if you researched it, there probably were quite a few singers or stand-up comedians or people who use their voice for a living that were asthmatic. And I think you learn how to control it. But I don't want to be blasé about that, Alex. I just want to say, in my experience, I think that singing would enhance your breathing capacity. It's just whether or not, um, if you had a particularly bad day, um, whether or not you, you you can control it yourself or not. So I, I feel a little bit as if I'm I'm not really in a in a position where I can answer that with a proper medical explanation. It just except to just say. Um, if you can control it in usual life, as in sort of walking up a hill or, or running down a hill, I mean, I'm sure there are asthmatic people who maybe were athletes. So um, I'll do a little bit of research on that, um, Alex, and I'll email you back. All right. And um, we'll see if there's, uh, we'll see, you know, I'll, I'll learn a little bit more about it myself because although I've worked with people before who had asthma, they usually had a preventer and a, and a spray. And, and because we're only working, you know, if they found they were getting out of breath, we could stop for a few minutes. I think if you're gigging, it's a different thing. But I'm sure that there are enough people and athletes with asthma over the years that have successfully been able to run or to exercise or to do um, varying degrees of, of um, sport. But uh, whatever it is, I, I obviously, if it is something you're looking to get into, um, I wish you all the best with it and I think it's just a case of you know your own body right nobody else knows how you feel inside you know your own tubes and um, maybe um, I think if you start by walking and testing yourself by maybe sort of walking up a hill or something a bit more just doing a little bit more exercise I'm not saying that you don't but I'm thinking in general then see how breathless you get uh, um, and then because that can be improved as well so yeah, I think I don't think it can be bad for you but I think it does have to be carefully monitored and that is it for another week thank you for your questions some good ones there look no apologies for the rant in the middle there don't film yourselves while you're trying to perform entertain the people at the Rose and Crown they've come to see you all right um, but take very good care of yourselves have a really really good week I'll be back here next week for week 40 and I do have um, some interviews coming up. It's just this time of year um, with the six weeks holiday. I'm all over the place with, uh, with my kids and people are all over the place and uh, lots of people are going on holiday and stuff like that. So I thought, you know what? I've got enough questions coming in. I'll keep it going for another few weeks, couple of weeks. And then um, probably from September, we'll start getting those interviews in. So I know I've been talking about them for some time and been promising them and they are on their way, I promise um, I'm hoping to do a few things as well, but um, at the moment I won't I won't talk about that because I'm still working on it. Um, but I'm quite excited about the prospect of a few ideas that I have at the moment. So let's see what let's see what happens. Look, I'm out of here. All right, love each other, take care of each other, and um, don't forget if you're at the Dog and Duck on Saturday night, raise a glass for everybody who uh, wishes they were there. All right, you take care. All right, and uh, I'm out of here. Yours in music signing off. Bye-bye for now.